This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start, we have a request. If you are genuinely enjoying what we do here on the Internet Marketing Podcast, then would you please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app? because it really helps us to grow the podcast and ensures that we bring you great marketing tips and advice each week. And today I'm joined by Johan von Tonder, Chief Operating Officer at AWA Digital and co-author of the book E-Commerce Website Optimization, recently published by Kogan Page. Johan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm very, very well indeed. And you're down in South Africa, is it Cape Town? I am, yes, I am indeed. We've just had a massive storm, uh, trees unrooted, roofs blown off and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Sounds quite dramatic. And um, we're using a, a, just a really long hose pipe with a funnel at each end, aren't we? And the quality is, is, is amazing. That's right. It actually works. Works, <laughs> better, than, uh, works better than Skype. Now, uh, where should we start? Tell us about yourself, um, AWA Digital. We'll talk about your book a bit later. Yeah, so AWA Digital, we're um, a CRO agency, conversion rate optimization, specializing in e-commerce. Uh, company is based in York. We got an office in uh, London, uh, in Texas, and then in Cape Town, where I'm based at the moment. And um, as I say, we, we work with e-commerce websites uh, around the world. Clients include um, Canon, Interflora, and then a, a range of brands you'll, uh, you'll recognize. Uh, as for myself, I've been doing this for, uh, for a while, eight years, thereabouts. And um, I started doing this when I was working in a corporate, and um, I was in charge of a unit that had some, uh, some e-commerce sites reporting into me, a lot of which there was a lot of pressure on me to, to grow them, to drive growth. Mm. And I found CRO to be one of the best ways uh, in, in which to do this. And I should say, at the time, um, CRO wasn't really around as a term. Uh, the term was only to be coined later. Mm. And what I was doing was conversion rate optimization without realizing it, you know, listening to your users, running A-B tests, and um, then, you know, staying with that process. So it, it, it didn't have a name. And the process was quite rough at the time. The tools that we used to now weren't there. Some of them had just been born. And I was a beta user of, of some of the ones you'll recognize now yeah. as uh, big names. Yeah. So I've um, been in the game for a while. Now, in your book, um, e-commerce webs- website optimization, uh, you, you talk about several things, but let's talk about CRO because you just mentioned it, conversion rate optimization, sort of generally from a sort of slightly higher viewpoint. Eight years is a quite long time to be doing it. Sort of, I'm wondering, you know, you've probably made some mistakes. What, what, what are your sort of, what have <laughs> you learned from the mistakes you've made that we could help our listeners with? Yeah, but as you can imagine, I've, I've made every mistake that you can make uh, in those ages and hopefully only once. Um, I think one of the biggest ones uh, that jumps to mind immediately, and I found this quite hard, and I, I see this being repeated by um, people who are coming into the industry, is the, the temptation to be emotionally invested in the outcome of an A-B test. Mm. That was a really big lesson for me to learn. So, you know, you, you work hard you, uh, on coming up with an hypothesis and you implement a solution to a problem you'd identified, an area of the website you think you can improve. You launch it as an A-B test against the control and you hope that your variation is going to win. 
and you watch that curve every day and um, you know if it goes south then uh, then then your your mental state goes south and if it goes up then there's all reason to celebrate mm. and that's exactly the wrong approach because what actually happens is you go in there with an open mind when you launch an experiment and and, and the purpose of the experiment is to learn it is to be completely open to the outcome of the test. So as soon as you emotionally invested in the outcome of the test, you've actually lost the game already. You've started on the wrong foot. Um, you should be launching that test um, open to what happens. And no matter what the outcome is, you can learn from that. You can build on that. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson for me. Once I learned that and once I started adapting my processes and my 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 starting point, my mental stake, you know, being tuned into this process in that way, mm. things change dramatically. It's a bit like being a scientist, isn't it? Because scientists have the same problem because they, they they get emotionally invested in their theories sometimes. And when their experiments uh, tend to start to disproving the theory, they... <laughs> try to start well, adjusting the experiments <laughs> yeah that's right and and, it, and this actually is the scientific method you know what's zero yeah. in general and uh, a lot of the methodologies are quite similar um and all of them are based on the scientific um method which is exactly what you said now which is about having an hypothesis and then setting out to validate that hypothesis and it could be validated so it could be true or it could be refuted yeah it could be invalid and that doesn't mean you've failed. It doesn't mean you, uh, you've lost. It means you've learned something. And, you know, Thomas Edison famously said that he didn't fail 10,000 times when he invented the light bulb. He found 10,000 ways in which not to do it. And each one of those learnings brought him a step closer to finally inventing the light bulb. So, yeah, that's the principle. Are there any other uh, sort of chestnut mistakes that you uh, um, came across? You, you mentioned that you made quite a few yeah, I mean, I think the other one was, and I referred to this earlier, is taking yourself too seriously. So I mentioned earlier listening to your user, and um, I think that this has become a mantra that's quite firmly entrenched in the landscape now. And I'd be surprised if anyone on this call didn't buy into that. You know, the the answers are with our user data. You know, qualitative, qualitatively, quantitatively both methods, but looking at how your users use your site and why they do things in a certain way. And if you can, the closer you can get to that, the closer you can get to the um, answers that you're looking for, you know, where are there opportunities to improve? And, but initially, you know, you start it and you think, well, you know, I know a little bit about this business. Um, you know, I, I'm very close to it. I'm very close to my customers and um, I have my own opinions. I'm a user of the web. And I think I know how this should work. And that is a dangerous place to start off from, is trusting your own opinion too much. Yeah. Um, you are not your customer. Your consultant is not your customer. Your boss is not your customer. Your customer is your customer. And that's where you need to go and find the answers. And that's, uh, that's another mistake that I made. I, I went right in there, uh, initially not even listening to customers, you know, initially just doing stuff, doing stuff that looked obvious to me, you know, change this button, make that difference there, change the menu and, you know, and some of it worked and some of it didn't work. Um, but it's like throwing mud against the wall. You know, it's um, it's the opposite of where you want to be, which is a more methodical and uh, systematically. And and the, the point of all of this is to have incremental results. And some of these results, and I think we need to talk, talk about that as well, be realistic about what you can expect from a, a typical CRO program. Yeah. So there's some data on this. 
we all want those big winners, you know, 30% improvement, even triple digit improvements. You see those. Mm. The reality is that most of the tests you run and most of the interventions you'll make will have a, a minute impact, so sub 10%. And then some people say, but you know, that's almost nothing. The point is you stack up all those almost nothings and you've got something. And, and that's, that's the point of, of having a system like this, having a program like this, is incrementally making those improvements. So not expecting too much from any one sort of um, approach, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, that's another classic mistake. So yeah. I was there myself, you know, it's, you know, chasing the big wins and um, not being happy with anything other than the big win. And some of those big wins, probably not even really such a big win. If, if I see a big win today... I'm immediately, you know, I have questions. I am skeptical about that because I know that's not the norm. I know it falls outside of what I know to be the norm. And so there's going to be a reason for that. And so if I see a really big win, I'm going to dig into it really, really deep and make sure that I can, um, I can validate that. Now, you mentioned A-B testing, which of course is a, a huge part of, of CRO. Um, I was just wondering, you know, testing requires a certain amount of traffic, doesn't it? Sort of what do what do you do with a site that perhaps doesn't receive as much traffic? What what do you do about A/B testing in that case? Yeah, and a lot of people obviously are in that position. You know, startups and also those who've um, who've been around for a while but haven't um, grown traffic levels. And for for whatever reason, you're in that position and you want to be um, doing CRO. Then you know it, it, there are two ways of doing it. The one way is if you really don't have much traffic, then um, just JDI, just do it instead of running a test, making the um, the change, and then comparing before and after. Mm. I'd say the other thing is a general principle is to not bother with uh, meek tweaks. You know, small changes. Small changes sometimes will have a a significant impact. You know, let's let's just consider this. What it means when you make a change to an area of your site. Let's say you move a button around or you move an image or whatever change it is that you make to the visual design on your site. What you're really doing is not moving stuff around on the page. This is crucial. Mm. You are changing behavior. You are changing the way in which people interact with your site. It, it is psychology, not design. Yeah. And... So little changes, you've got to ask yourself, what, what is the potential impact of that on somebody's um, behavior? How is it likely to shift behavior? If not, then um, you probably want to lean more towards bolder tests. So, so big changes generally. So that's, that's the one thing. And the second thing is when you don't have a lot of traffic, you've got to be really disciplined about your approach. Now, you, you always have to be disciplined about your approach, but even more when you don't have a lot of traffic. And so I'll give you one or two examples of how that plays out in practice. So you might want to, I've already said, you might want to just pursue you know, bigger changes. You also want to be really disciplined about how long the time frame you give that test, because on a, on a site with a lot of traffic, you can run a test within days and has, have a statistically significant outcome. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's a good time to stop it after days, but you know that's the reality. The numbers can can um, can work out after mm. a few days with, with a site that doesn't have a lot of traffic. It it might take you months, mm. and that's not what you should be doing. You should give it a reasonable time frame. So say say two weeks. I'm in favor of two weeks if it. If it fits into the business cycle, yeah. maybe a, maybe three weeks, maybe a month at most. And then if you don't have a result, kill it, analyze it, 
draw learnings from it and move on. Because each time you run a test, it's an opportunity cost. Why do I say that? You could have been running a different test at that same time that could have give, got you to a win and could have given you a better win. So by letting this test, which is not going anywhere, sit in your um, testing slot and occupy that testing slot, you are, you're wasting time and you're burning resources. And uh, you must realize that, and, and this is true for everyone, whether you have a lot of traffic or not, um, there are a finite number of testing slots each year. And you have to uh, be very disciplined and ruthless about what you put into those testing slots. Yeah. Each time you run a test, you could have been running something uh, that could have gotten you closer to your goal. So that opportunity cost is something to be aware of. Now, maybe testing, uh, as I say, you mentioned it quite a bit in your book, it's, um, it's a bit of a controversial area, A-B testing, yeah, isn't, isn't it? it? Tell us about some of the controversies around it. I think the main one is, um, you know, just the, the, the results and um, how those results, how that data is interpreted. So there was a, um, a data scientist at Kiba who a couple of years ago, uh, about two years ago, I think, came out with a report uh, based on a study he'd done. And he said that two-thirds of all test results were bogus. And what you, you must understand what happens is people take these results, and let's say they wins, and they make the changes based uh, on the, to their side based on the outcome of those tests. Yeah. So you're making a confident, you're running a test, an A-B test, in order to have a confident uh, decision, right? To make a confident decision, a data-backed decision. Now, that's a good place to be, I think, if you can A-B test, you should be A-B testing by all means. But I think it's worse making, drawing the incorrect conclusions from that testing than not testing. Then, then, rather, then rather don't be testing if you're not going to be doing it properly. Mm. So if two-thirds of your results are going to be bogus, um, that means you're going to be putting, making a lot of changes to your site that potentially harm your business. In most cases, it's not going to do everything. It's not going to do anything. It's going to make no impact. Mm. So you're going to expect to see a particular result in your bottom line, and it's never going to come through. And you're going to wonder, but you know, where, where's where's the uplift? Where's the money that I that I saw in the in the AB test console? Um, and the reason for that is that it's not there. That you can't see it reflected in your in your financial statements is simply because that test result wasn't wasn't valid. You either misinterpreted the data. Or you didn't um, you didn't stick to the rules of the game, and the rules of the game. I mean, this is quite a complex area. I don't think we should get into that because I can keep you busy on this for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's laws of statistics and laws of mathematics. You can't change that. It is what it is. Yeah. And so you you'll hear, and this is maybe segueing into into another controversy surrounding A/B testing. Is you'll hear a lot of these sort of rules of thumb of you know for how long you should be running a test, for example. And you'll hear people say, um, make sure that you uh, have 200 conversions per variation, or 400 conversions per variation, whatever the case may be. And that's not the way to solve it. And in the book we address this, but you know th th there's a there's a process behind this, and it it's a process that should respect the laws of statistics and of maths and um you you can't you can't take a shortcut there as soon as you take a shortcut then you're potentially harming your business yeah uh, so this is something you should really be serious about if you're going to be doing a b test is understanding that context yeah now you mentioned earlier about uh, the importance of um, listening to your users and i was just wondering 
How do you do that? What do you reckon is the best way of listening to your users? Yeah, there, there, there are many ways in which you can do this. And, um, you know, so I'll mention a couple. And uh, earlier I spoke about qualitative. Um, so let's start there because there's a, qualitative is, uh, by definition, a technique that puts you in direct contact with your user, whether it's face-to-face or on the phone or by means of survey. And, and those are all um, very useful methods. One of my favorite uh, methodologies and it, it's hard to single out one but is uh, is usability testing and um, more specifically moderated uh, remote moderated usability testing so yeah. what we do is um, uh, have a screener on the home page of the site uh, inviting the user on that site the visitor on that site to participate in live research we offer them incentive uh, if they uh, engage with that screener then we ask them a series of questions still in this app and uh, we qualify them in, an, in or out of the study based on how they respond. Mm-hmm. Then we phone them up immediately. This is, uh, this is the secret sauce. We phone them up immediately, set up screen sharing between us, and I'm a fly on the wall watching how they interact with your site in an authentic session, and I'm watching all the stumbling blocks that they're running into, and that's really powerful. I mean, the kind of insights that you draw from, a, from an exercise like that, just 30 minutes doing that with five people, and you walk away with a long list of things that can potentially uh, transform your business. Now, you also talk about prioritization or, or triage in your book. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's crucial. And I think it's the one area in optimization that's maybe not spoken about enough. And it's the, it's not such a sexy topic as A-B testing or some of the rest, you know, speaking to, to, to customers, visitors. Mm. But we, you, it's not hard to come up with a long list of things. Um, you can brainstorm it. You can speak to some users. And you, you can generate a list of dozens, if not hundreds, of ideas. The, the, the real difficulty is deciding what to start with, you know, which of those ideas to pick and in which order to rank them. Mm. And clearly what you want to do is you want to make the best use of your resources. So you want to roadmap them in such a way that, you know, the bigger gains or the easier gains, the quicker gains, uh, the low hanging fruit, if you'll indulge my jargon, Mm. um, sit at the top of the list. And and the ones that uh, potentially have lesser impact, uh, you know, drift away towards the bottom of the list. And there's several frameworks that you can apply here. A a very famous one is PI, Chris Goward's PI framework, PIE. But there are many frameworks. And the point is not really what framework you use. It is that you have a framework. Something, some system that everyone in your organization has agreed on and that you can apply consistently that you have the set of criteria by which to evaluate which ideas bubble up to the top and in which order you're going to be uh, attacking them. Right, let's talk about your book because we've got some exciting news. We're going to give away uh, three free copies of your book and I'll give you the link in a minute. But just before we do that, um, who should be reading your book, Johan? Well, it's, it's, it's aimed at, um, so the title, e-commerce website optimization, I think says it all. It's aimed at anyone who runs uh, an e-commerce website or works in an e-commerce website and they want to improve, they want to drive the growth. They want to improve the conversion rate, the revenue um, of that site. It's a playbook. It's a very practical guide that explains exactly what process you should be following, how you should be doing it, the techniques that you should be using or could be using, how to do the triage, how to approach um, A-B testing, the entire process from the beginning to end. Fantastic. So, folks, so listeners, if you hop along to www.sitevisibility.co.uk slash Johan, and remember, Johan is spelt 
J-O-H-A-N-N. And um, fill in your details, and then Site Visibility will select, using a, a specialised algorithm, which is top secret, three people to get a free copy of Johan's book. So I'll mention that link again. So that's sitevisibility.co.uk forward slash Johan, spelt J-O-H-A-N-N. Now, Johan, if you had, we've talked about quite a few things today, but if you had like one top thing that you spoke about today for our listeners that they should concentrate on, what would it be? Yeah, it's hard to single out one, but I'd, I'd say I'd, I'd go back to the A-B testing yeah. um, because this is such a big problem in the industry and there, it's such a huge controversy. And, um, you know, I, I encourage you to run A-B tests if you can, if it's within your, your, um, uh, your, your, what your site traffic allows. But you've got to do it properly. You've got to educate yourself on the, on the rules of the game. I'd say that's my number one. Fantastic. Johan, thanks so much for coming on. How can our listeners find out more about you and AWA Digital? Well, uh, you go to the website awa-digital.com. Fantastic. And thank you for listening, people. Uh, the show notes are on the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash impodcast. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a re- review, as I mentioned at the beginning. Um, if you've got any questions or suggestions for future topics, then there is an email address, podcast at sitevisibility.com, or you can tweet at sitevisibility. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm Dr. Pod, D-O-C-T-O-R-P-O-D, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, what else I going to say? Oh, yes, don't forget the site visibility group on LinkedIn. And also, once again, that magic link, um, www.sitevisibility.co.uk forward slash Johan, Johan spelt J-O-H-A-N-N, to uh, get a chance of um, getting one of uh, a free copy of Johan's book. So that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Johan. Thanks, Andy. Bye, everyone. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Internet Marketing.